Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family. But most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children. Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children. See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. Welcome to Fostering Change. We here, Dana and I, we started this podcast because we truly do believe that as one community, and I always say this, your community is not your zip code, but it's our human race. We can require, demand, and make change, and that's what we're here to do. I'm absolutely so grateful to have our next guest on, Carlotta Taylor. She is an author of No More Flinching, Five Steps to Overcoming Adversity. She's also a founder of a an amazing nonprofit that, you know, I hear about you're doing a toy drive right now. You're also a public speaker um, because I follow you on all your social media platforms and you are one busy, busy person. So welcome. Wow. Thank you so much, Rob, for having me on. It's an amazing honor to be here. Thank you so much. Well, you know what? It's an absolute honor to know you. I actually, you know, Dana, I met Carlotta at the Purple Project. Um, We were just, we had Latasha on not long ago. And so um, we, I actually met her at the project and I was just so moved by her story. Um, And the fact that, you know, her book is just absolutely amazing. But, you know, Carlotta, what I'd like to do is I'd like for you in your own words to tell us your story. Tell us what made you decide to take this step forward for demanding change. Wow. Um, That's a big question. I'd love to answer that question for you right now. So I was born into a family where my father was very abusive towards me and my, my oldest younger brother. See, I'm the oldest of four. And life for me between the ages of 5 and 13 was very, very steep and dark. And daily, every single day, my dad would, he would abuse us. He would punch us in the face, kick us in the stomach, tell us we were nothing. He would tell me, and I quote, you're dumb, you're stupid, and you won't be anything when you get older. And those words are the words that I thought of myself. It's what I attached myself to. And actually, those words started to infiltrate my DNA. When I would go to school, I would go to school and I would see other little girls with cute little barrettes in their hair and cute little clothes. But I went to school wearing black eyes, busted built. And it wasn't long before I gained the attention of the Department of Human Services in Mississippi. They would pull us out of the home with my father and place us in a shelter, awaiting a foster care home placement that would take two siblings. So it was me and my brother who were removed from the home and we would be placed into a foster care system and that would start like another journey, another cycle of just being moved around tremendously a lot. So we would go from being in a foster care home, back to the shelter, back to our home where we were always getting abused. And it seemed like we had no way out. We had no help. Not only did we get abused in my home with my father, we also got abused when we were in foster care. One foster care parent even said me and my brother, how loud. 
And one also left us in the car and we almost died from heat exhaustion. We had to get rescued by the fire department. And it was all on the news. There was a big mess, but that was all right. And even in one of the foster care homes where we, we deemed it as like our best home and our best experience, they treated us really well. However, whenever children would go and they would actually go to party, we were left behind. So it was always that reminder that we were outsiders. We were abandoned, and it just never felt right. And so this is how I lived my life for years. My mom finally divorced my father at 13. Well, at 12, I tried to commit suicide because it was just so unbearable. But at 13, we moved away. Now, all of these years when I lived with my father, I was always flinching because I was so used to getting hit. And not only did I flinch when I was around my father, I flinched when I was at school around strangers and, and classmates and Anyone who would weaken my peripheral vision, I would always think that I was so used to getting hit. But moving forward, when my mom divorced my dad and he was no longer in the house, I still think. As a matter of fact, I flinched for years. And then as I grew into being a young adult, I even flinched at life. So it wasn't just scared of getting hit. I, when I looked at my life, I flinched at the thought of anything great. I expected pain. And that's exactly what I got. Nothing good ever happened for me between the ages of 17 all the way up until about 23. See, I was out there and I was lost. And it just, by the grace of God, I didn't just slip tremendously through the cracks. Well, I was able to hold on just a little bit by the grace of me being in the military. So that was helping me early on. And then I found my way in law enforcement. So that was like my first stitch of me fighting and struggling to find who I was. And so I found that law enforcement for me was like, this is it. This is the job that I could work in. It doesn't feel like work because I'm that protector. I'm the one um, who my friends, my siblings, if you're in harm's way, I'm going to protect you. So law enforcement came down. Before long, after three and a half years in law enforcement, being a police officer, I was going to rank. It was a child protection detective. And so I actually worked cases for children were abused and assaulted. And I tell you, I was able to find that peace, and I was like, wow, I really loved it. And on one occasion, I had a case where I was investigating. I called in a witness, and one of my witnesses that came in to my office, he stopped at the door, and he said, is your name Carlotta Taylor? And I said, yes, it is. He said, I used to be one of your foster parents. So I looked at that as a wild moment, like, wow, here I am, born from a child with a dude, and just it like I had no way out to now being a detective investigating cases with George Ward too. Well, my law enforcement career did not stop there. I within two years I was in the ranks I was actually doing the ranks of Robert Homicide. So then I started working cases where adults were abused and assaulted and crime happened for adults. And so what I found was there was a connection between the children and the adults. The connection is this children who are broken and beaten and abused, especially in the foster care system, they grow up to be those same broken adults. And so as I still, career, you know, after my career and I was getting my degrees, I went from having a mindset that I could never be good enough to get a degree to actually knocking it down and completing it. And I owe all of that gratitude to my grandfather, Fred Bernard Taylor, who's no longer with us. He was my inspiration in life. And it was his last moment and his last breath to me when he told me, you know, live your life with no regrets and get all the education you can. And so I held on with that. And throughout the way, the process, um, around 2007, it dropped in my spirit and it dropped in my heart to 
writing my book, write a story. And of course, I didn't start it then. I, I procrastinated. I started and I stopped for seven years. And then in 2014, it got my spirit to start a nonprofit. And so I immediately, you know, did all the paperwork for it. But just recently in 2018 is really when I said enough is enough. I, I kept going. I kept going in my career. But it was as if I'm not working and operating in my passion. See, I've worked cases where children were abused and they died as a result of their injuries. With me having a pass and getting hit in the head with boards, getting hit in the head with broomsticks and kicked in the stomach and told what I would not be and having to be out on the street when my dad is telling me, don't come back to the house until you have $20. See, that mindset right there is like, how did God, how did I make it through? And I, I feel the peace that I made it through to help and inspire others. So that's how Somebody Step In came to be about. Somebody Step In is a new 501c3 in the state of Mississippi. And right now, we're, we're um, orchestrating a choice drive to still foster youth. And right now, we're looking to partner with, in, this, in the paperwork, we're, we're getting it together. We're looking to partner with Canopy Children's Solutions to help them, you know, help give 50 children in the city of Jackson um, foster, I mean, foster youth stories for Christmas, and that's just one of the things we're going to do. We're looking to have a 3K walk, and we're looking to have a gala coming up in the near future to raise funds for the organization. And my story, no more thinking. Oh my gosh, I had to tell the story. So I procrastinated for several years, but it just hit me. I don't have to compare my story to anyone else's story. I used to think my story was not big enough to be in a book. I really did. But I had to get over myself. I had to realize that God allowed me to go through what I went through and he allowed me to make it for a reason. So I have to share my story to inspire other people and I cannot tell you Rob and Dana how many people have come to me in full tears trying to uppercry thank you for sharing my story with them. Well, I can tell you right now, I, I am so grateful that you're sharing your story. You know, I, I say this quite often, we all need to use our listening ears, and we need to use our listening ears because each and every one of us has a story, and that story can truly impact our lives. That story can save that little girl who is walking in the classroom right now who doesn't realize that the pain that she's going through at home is she's able to talk about it. You know, I, I very much like you, the abuse that happened within my home was something that we kept within our four walls because our biggest mm -hmm. fear was that we would go to a group home. Our biggest fear was that we would go into foster care. And we heard and knew about the nightmares of that. And then also a, something that I want to point out that you, that you said so you're you would go into the system you you'd be taken away from these this these this abusive monster i will tell you that that's what he was he was a monster um this abusive monster there were four of you but only two of you were taken yes now now was that because only two of you were being abused well the the ironic thing about it is one they were much much younger and they were not really being abused one the fourth child was not in the picture yet not until the very very end it was a, like a newborn baby. So we have age gap. It's me and my brother who's two years younger than me. So it was him and I. And my sister had not quite been born in the beginning of that. Um, there's a, what, seven-year difference between my sister and I. So it was like a few years later. And ironically so, um, my father deemed my sister as his friend, so he did not abuse her. And it was just, wow. This is something we don't, we don't ever understand. But I think he identified with my younger sister because she was just like him. 
And I look just like my brother. I don't get it. I do not understand it. But as my father was saying, he was the victim who became the victimizer because he had his own story. And it wasn't until after I published my book that I learned that he was actually, you know, abused severely. And, and just he has this crazy story himself. So now he's working on, you know, healing and becoming a better person as well. And it was years, years, years that I just simply hated my dad. I really, really did. I did not understand why a father would treat his little girl like that. I mean, it's unreal. But I had to get to a place of forgiveness so I could be truly helpful to other people. You know, you just said exactly what I say all the time, Dana, is about forgiveness. You know, people ask me all the time how I got to where I'm at today. And, you know, with me being the youngest of 10 and I see my siblings who, you know, they have fallen to the wayside. And I believe that a lot of it has to do with forgiveness. You know, I forgave my parents. Um, And by the way, I didn't forgive it. I didn't forgive them for them. I forgave them for me and forgiving, forgiving them for me gave me the power back. And I think that that's exactly what you did. That's exactly what you did by your forgiveness. You know, do you, do you still have a, relationship with your siblings? Yes, we do have a relationship with all of my siblings. We're not the closest of close, but yes, we all still communicate. We, we still hang out. It's not a close-knit relationship like it probably should be. Yeah, I think the damage that happens when children grow up in such dysfunction, um, I think so many times we we realize that um, we don't have that closeness. You know, I have a sister that yeah. I do try to talk to as much as possible, but other than that, I don't I don't really have a connection with any of my other siblings. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact of the choices that they continue to keep making. And and at the end of the day, it is about choices. It is about choices. Yes. You know, we're, we're put in a system because of choices that other people made. Um, we then are going through this path and we, we tend to make choices that are easier for us. And so, you know, life, life is about choices. And so for me, it's so important that, you know, people understand that, that, that choice you make is not always the easy choice that's going to get you ahead, but it's a choice that you have to be able to live with. Um, you know, I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about, you know, no more flinchings, five steps to overcoming diversity. You know, when I talked to you before, one of the things that I had said to you about this book that, that I absolutely, um, it is a quick read and I, I asked everybody to go to um, Carlotta's website and place your order. She will actually personalize this your copy. Um, I actually have um, several copies, one that she actually personalized to me, but another one that I have that um, I, I share because I truly do believe that as authors, we write books for two reasons. One, love it in your mind. Two, love it in your heart. But the most flattering thing you could ever do for an author is share your book. Um, so I have one, I have one sitting right here, you know, where, um, that, that you personalize to me, but I also have one that I actually, um, loan out to people because I find it very powerful. Um, the picture on the front of the book, um, I've asked you about this and I to ask you about it again, how you chose this picture. You know, it's this, it's this woman who's standing here with chains, um, that are hanging from her wrist. Um, I find that picture so powerful. So powerful. Yes. How did you choose that? My first thoughts when I had, you know, I chose my book cover almost last, almost last. And when I was first choosing it, I, my first image in my mind was a, a child, a little girl, flinching at first. 
And as I was going through the processes, and I'm like, what do I really want the reader to feel when they look at my book cover? Just before they even turn any pages, what do I want them to feel? Do I want them to feel like they're still flinching or I'm still flinching? No. And so I wanted a picture that would reveal freedom, a breakthrough, peace, something that you no longer do anymore, you know. And so when I came across this picture that, of course, I had to pay for, it seemed like it said everything that I wanted it to say. So no more flinching. It's like no more bondage. I was in bondage in my mind just replaying what happened to me over and over, replaying what my father would tell me. I mean, what's a little girl to do? It was sports in my life where I literally felt like I was kidnapped. I thought I was kidnapped because my dad would sometimes beat us so bad. He would stuff the billboards and the, the window sills to keep the screens out from protruding through the house. So with that mindset and everything that happened, like, what do I do? Do I keep replaying this or do I get to my life? Get over it. And that's why I attached the five steps to overcoming adversity because there's no way that I could break out of that and, and be free. And when I share my story, I have to let other people know how they can do it too. So that that's what that book cover means. And that's why I decided to choose the lady with the broken chains, freedom, looking up like, okay, you know, I'm ready to live my life. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to get to my purpose, regardless of what happened to me. Wow. To get to your purpose. You know, there's a part in your book, there's a chapter in your book that I, I remember that same exact day in my life where my mother pulled up and was taking my sisters and I away from the monster. Um, and he was inside of the house and um, napping. Um, I remember I was playing in the front yard and the station wagon pulled up and um, my mother whispered to me to go get my sister and to not to say a word because we knew that if he realized that we were leaving, um, he would beat us and he would probably beat us to death. And, and you, you write about that in the book and you wrote, you know, um, we carried the bags out one by one and he never opened his eyes. We moved in silence, holding our breath as we tiptoed through the house. This was a life or death case in my eyes. If he woke up and realized what was happening, we would see the worst of Carl Taylor Sr. He didn't wake up at at all the entire time. We successfully moved everyone and all the bags of clothes out of the house. I'm assuming those were trash bags. Yes, they were. Yeah. Trash bags filled Black with trash, your belongings. Trash. You know, as I read more of that chapter and I realized, you know, as your mother was driving, leaving this town, leaving the abuse that she had experienced, knowing that she had put her children in such a terrible, terrible situation, she then forgot her purse and realized that she yep. forgot her purse with her money and her driver's license. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm picturing these, these backwards of Mississippi where she has pulled over on the side of the road and she makes that decision instead of driving back because he might wake up because he could hear the car. She actually got out of the car and she walked. Wow. 
She walked back. She walked back, and what I what I'm picturing in my head as I was reading that this book, and by the way, everyone, I I, I, I highly recommend you going to Carlotta's website and purchasing your copy um, because I'm telling you, this book I was on edge the entire time because you know, again, as a kid who has lived so much of what you've lived, but also I think it's important that people read this to realize that you know there are strength within numbers, and here is a woman, you know, who's given birth to these children who, you know, yeah, made some bad decisions, but now she was ready to escape. And the only thing she could think about is what I was thinking in my mind was the safety of her children. And so the safety of her children, she pulls over on the side of the road and she walks back. And that I'm telling you, that walk must have felt like it was years Yes, it did, and I'm feeling all the emotion as you're describing it from that very day. It's like we sat there in that car, and it's like I don't even remember breathing. I was so afraid, not just for us, but for my mom, because I know that at the time when my dad was in a bad place, he he would have snapped, and there's no telling. I'm pretty sure somebody's life would have been lost, if not all of ours that day. And as she walked back to that house, and we looked through the fence because it's like the little the gray wire fence that you can kind of see through all the way across, and it just time still feels. Yeah. And it was it was just I can't even imagine. I'm just so thankful and grateful that she came out of that house. And then it was the process of when she when we did see her make eye contact, and she was coming. It's like Lord, let us please don't let you know find out come behind us turn into a chase event but I'll never forget that moment it was a very defining moment in my life Wow, that is absolutely amazing. Again, everyone, it's called No More Flinching, Five Steps to Overcoming Adversity. And I think that there are actually more than five steps within this book um, that you have overcome. Let's talk a little bit about your nonprofit. Let's talk about a little bit about the change that you're hoping to make within your town of Mississippi, um, this, your state, and you know, and, and what you're planning on doing. So let, let's talk a little bit about this. Okay, somebody step in. Um, one, the name came to me in 2014. And I have been pretty much doing silent work, but now for 2018, 2019, stepping out, we're newly 501c3, and we've pretty much been partnering with other organizations, just getting the work in and getting the things done. Somebody stepping in is a mentoring, coaching, and next step processes for foster youth and age out foster youth. So I have really big ideas. Like the end game is a big, it's a big dream, a big vision I have for somebody stepping in. One day, it will be a full-fledged center, partnered with other organizations like DHX, so where it's a place where foster youth will not be treated like second-class citizens, okay? They'll be able to get, say, other arts, um, like, say if they want to do any type of hobbies. They want to take ballet class, violin class, um, whatever, basketball, get tutoring, um, counseling, and where uh, speakers will come in and share their stories and and we will have conferences, and that's the end game. But for now, <laughs> we're going to start with a toy drive, okay? And so that's what we're working on currently, is a toy drive to help fifty foster youth for this Christmas. So if anyone, um, any of your listeners Rob, and who want to participate in making that happen, or who have unwrapped gifts, on, on, like gifts that have not been opened to it that way, um, who would like to donate, um, please feel free to do so. And we're also going to be working on a free page, Walk slash run, 
to raise funds for the organization, and we're also and for the for 2020 going to put together a gala as well. So, so tell me how we find you. Tell me how we find you. You can find me on Facebook as Carlotta Taylor. That's C A R L O T T A. Find me on my website at www.carlottataylor.com, and there you can you know contact me. You can email me at cdtgroupllc at gmail.com. And also, somebody step in. You can check out somebody step in, nonprofit uh, organization on Facebook for any additional questions or if you want to send a helping hand or whatever. And I'll put links to all of those on our comfortcases.org slash podcast uh, post with, you know, with the podcast and all the information. Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You know, we would love to to be able to do something at Comfort Cases with you, Car- Carlotta. And one of the things is is that, you know, we're always wanting to make sure that we're giving hope and dignity to our youth that are in foster care. And, um, sure. you know, for us, I think it's opening the doors through your um, child and family service agencies throughout your state, letting them know about, you know, Comfort Cases, letting them know about the partnership, letting them know that, you know, we all can only make this happen as if we do this together, you know, and, you know, as, as your book says it, and as I, I feel it, you know, for every child who comes into the system, there should be no more flinching, you know, yeah. there should be no more flinching and whether that child is flinching because of abuse or flinching because of the, the PTSD that they're going through, or, you know, the flinching because, you know, they feel like they don't matter. There should be no more flinching. Everyone, I am so absolutely grateful that Carlotta took the time out today to be on our podcast. I would love for everybody to please make sure you visit her website. Please, you know, I truly say this, you got to support each other, support each other. I know Carlotta will will sign your book if you order your book through her website. I know that her book is um, available. It is a great read. It's an inspirational read. Um, Carlotta, you deserve every bit of you know recognition. I hope that I, I first of all, I know I'm going to see you again. Um, I will be giving a, a big shout out through our social media platforms in reference to No More Flinching when this podcast airs um, because again, I truly believe that this is a read for everybody dana we always end our show um with always asking two questions and i think um we couldn't ask a better person than asking carlotta so what is those questions so if you could change two things about the foster care system right now what would they be two things number one i would change the background system coming from having a background in background investigators (laughs) I know that um, a lot of the processes when I do my investigations, I see that the foster care system generally only does a background check on said person who wants to be the foster parent. They don't do enough extensive research on that person, like checking the neighbors, checking past jobs. I think a lot of times we miss a lot of things by not doing a thorough background check. And two, I will make sure that the foster parent you know, had a great understanding of treating the foster youth equally, especially if there are other children in the household and other children in the family, that they should get the same type of love that any other child could get as if they were their own child. Those are the two things. 
Love it. I love it. Yeah, great response. It it really is. And Dana, I will tell you that I've said this quite often, and I've seen this happen. I I actually just had a young man who my family, we went out to dinner with over the weekend as a kid who's in the system. And um, he did bring that up, by the way, how he felt different. He was treated differently than what the bio family was treating their bio kids. And, and, and sometimes I, I feel that, you know, as foster parents, we don't mean to do that. Um, but it does happen. But I think that if we do make that step to be foster parents, we need to be more conscious about it. We need to be more conscious about it. I, I write about this in, in, in my book where, you know, um, and by the way, I had an amazing foster mother and, and I know she never said this to hurt me in any way, but she would say, used to say you know these are my biological children and then this Mm. is you know Robert Terry and and so it was Mm. and not that she meant to to separate me because I believe that she loved me like she loved her biological children it's it's me as a kid hearing that I am being treated differently or or being named differently it truly can affect us and it's something that we we never you know I never ever once say to my children oh meet my kids I adopted you know first of all you look at my four <laughs> kids you know they they're African American and they got two white dads if you haven't figured out we adopted them then you've got a problem um <laughs> But but we don't introduce them that way. These are our children. And so, Carlotta, thank you so much. I, I was absolutely so excited when Dana said that you were going to be on our, our podcast, Fostering Change. Everyone, again, I will tell you that this is only a stepping point for each and every one of us to demand change within our community, to let kids know who are in the system that they matter. You know, the fact is, is no more flinching. That should be the going forward for everybody is no one should have any more flinching. But one thing that I can tell you that we all need to do as we leave today is be kind, be kind, take what you've learned today and realize you do not know what's going on in the four walls of someone's home. If you expect something, say something, but most important, be kind. Colada, thank you so much. Have an amazing rest of your day. And everyone, again, tune in. You know, Dana, where can they hear our podcast at, my friend? So we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We are on Stitcher, Spotify, Deezer, and TuneIn. So we are pretty much on all of your favorite podcast apps. And you can always just go to comfortcases.org slash podcast, and all of the episodes are right there. And one thing to make sure, write your reviews. Write your reviews. It's just like an author. Carlotta can tell me about this just as much as I do. Writing reviews are so, so important. So please, you know, listen to our podcast. Write a review. Let us know what you'd like to hear. And by the way, if you're listening for the very first time or you've been a listener since we've started this journey and you have a story, if you have a story, you're a social worker out there, you're a foster parent out there. You're a youth who's aged out of the system out there. You are somebody that's wanting to make change. Please reach out to us. Dana, how can they get a hold of us? Um, they can contact blog at comfortcases.org um, via email or we're on social media, Comfort Cases Facebook page. We have Comfort Cases Instagram and you can just message us there, whatever's easier for you. Excellent. Well, once again, Carlotta, thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. We love you, and we're so happy to support anything and everything that you're doing. Take care, everybody. Remember, be kind. Oh, thank you so much, Bob. I okay. appreciate you all. Okay. Dana. 
Dana and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. And check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob Shear, Instagram at Rob underscore Shear, and on Twitter at Rob Shear 6. And please share this podcast and leave us a review. Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community, but it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.